When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is one of our collective favorite times of the week. Fellow conspiracy realists, we hope you like this kind of day as much as we do. This is when we get to talk directly with you, or sort of. We share your stories with your fellow listeners, and we've got some doozies for you here today. We're going to talk about some murders in a manner. M-A-N-O-R. Well, we'll talk about murders in a manner. In a, in a manner. manner of speaking. Yes. You know. yeah. There you and, go. There you go. Uh, and we'll also talk about the dangers of what is actually happening to your medical information. That's going to be a scary one. We're going to end on that uh, so that everybody feels rightly weirded out. But I think we're going to start, we're talking about this off air. I think we're going to start with uh, some really interesting comments about vaccines and allegations of alien pregnancy, which we mentioned uh, last week, I believe. There is someone who may have an alien child. Yes. That'll be one to keep an eye on for sure. And this one comes from S. And I believe uh, S is responding to a question that I posed. I can't remember if it was on a news episode or a, a listener mail, but I said, like, why are people freaking out about the vaccine, about the um, COVID-19 vaccine? And the email starts from S. Why are people freaked out by the vaccine? For me, I'm sorry, I, I, I imparted tone to that. It, it was just a question. It was a heading uh, for me. It's that it's an mRNA vaccine, and it's the first huge use of that technology on human subjects. The fact that they are pushing it for every living human being at once is a little concerning as well. I would have started with those most in danger of adverse outcomes of the virus. If there truly is something not quite right with the vaccines, now it's been distributed so widely that it will be a huge problem. So I say we start with that real quickly. And, and you know, it's true. Um, this is a 
in terms of like medical science and the history of medical uh, developments and uh, and breakthroughs, mRNA vaccines are relatively new. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was back in the late 80s, um, 1987 to be precise, that uh, a scientist researching a measles vaccine um, came across the idea of using mRNA as a way to essentially instruct the human body, uh, the cells in the human body to react to a certain um, invasive organism, a virus. It was 1987. Robert Malone um, did an experiment where he mixed strands of messenger RNA or mRNA with uh, little bits of fat, and he created this kind of cosmic gumbo, um, human cells that were uh, bathed in this genetic material, um, absorbed that mRNA and began to produce proteins from it. And it is the proteins that essentially instruct your body how to react. So it's different than a traditional vaccine, which uses a small piece of live virus to cause your body to react, fight it off, and then it like knows how to do that moving forward. Did I about get that right, guys? I'm obviously not a geneticist, nor am I uh, any kind of medical professional whatsoever, but I think that's a decent description for the difference between the two at the very least, yeah? I'm neither of those things either, but uh, I agree if you found some resources. <laughs> I did find some resources, and I will, in fact, go uh, to the CDC. Politics aside, um, we can, at the very least... Uh, uh, except I hope that the CDC is looking at the most up-to-date studies and science uh, for what they're posting on their website, at the least. So um, I'm going to go uh, from what they have to say. It says, to trigger an immune response, many vaccines put a weakened or inactivated germ into our bodies, not mRNA vaccines. Instead, mRNA vaccines use mRNA created in a laboratory to teach ourselves how to make a protein or even just a piece of a protein that triggers an immune response inside our bodies. That immune response, which produces antibodies, is what protects us from getting infected uh, if the real virus enters our bodies. And the reason this is a big deal is because it does not require any piece of the virus itself, which makes it stunningly effective uh, to quickly develop a vaccine for a new virus such as COVID-19. That is the event that triggered the kind of breakthrough that they needed in order to like really push this forward. Um, so what they do is they take a piece of uh, protein from the virus. And I think it, it's essentially like a, something that they can produce artificially without um, a, a piece of the virus itself uh, using computers or, or whatever to, to analyze it. And they can like generate this thing. It's called a spike protein. Um, it's the thing. If you look at pictures, I guess, of a virus, those like spiky bits that are on the top of it, that is uh, the part on the surface of the virus that causes COVID-19. And after that protein piece is made, our cells break down the mRNA. Uh, it never actually enters the nucleus of our cells, according to the research that's out there now. And then next, our cells display the spike protein piece on their surface. Our immune system recognizes that the protein doesn't belong there, and that triggers our immune system to produce antibodies and activate other immune cells to fight off what it thinks is an infection. Um, so there you go. Makes sense that this medical technique or breakthrough didn't really have a reason to be rolled out this quickly and this widely, but because of the fact that they didn't have to work with live viruses is literally what caused this to be able to be rolled out so quickly. Um, it has to be kept really, really cold, as you know. And you can hear a good bit of this stuff in our multi-part episode on COVID-19 from like the early days, you know, when it was first starting to be a thing. Uh, I think we did an episode about it, like, or a news episode maybe leading up to when it was really a thing. And then we did a multi-part series on it. And we've talked about it many, many, many times since. Um but it is true that this is the largest, you know, rollout of a vaccine with a understandably shortened uh, clinical trial period. Uh, I believe now enough time has passed that the CDC and the um, uh, FDA is saying it has met all of the standards for a traditional clinical trial. But they certainly did have to kind of do something early on in order to meet the the need, meet the demand, um, and honestly, the public safety need for having this vaccine available. But I don't know, guys, like, 
Do you think enough research is out there to know that this isn't going to have some long-term down the road negative impact? Um, or is it really just about optics? Is it just about people that are like sketchy and maybe a little distrustful about being sold or having their arm twisted or jabbed, uh, you know, for something that maybe doesn't have a long enough, uh, uh, runway of, you know, uh, observable reactions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would say, you know, first there are legitimate conditions that would, make it uh, difficult for some people to have vaccines. That's true. That's not conspiratorial. The vast majority of people can take an mRNA vaccine. But I think I think we're looking at two big or three big factors here. First, this is the long historical bill of inequality and terrible experiments throughout history coming due. Tuskegee was real. It happened. Uh, and then, of course, people don't, don't forget that kind of stuff. And then secondly, there, is, uh, there was a concerted effort, again, by foreign powers, which I, I know it sounds like a broken record to say that, to encourage uh, divisive, like, divisive scare tactics about this stuff in an already very scary time. And then third, what I wish people talked about more when they're talking about how these vaccines got developed is that they were not developed under ordinary circumstances. True. But one of the most extraordinary part about their circumstances surrounding their development is the way that governments around the world pulled out every stop to accelerate testing processes, following regulations, all that stuff. They did a speed run is one of the ways to put it. And that doesn't necessarily make it unsafe. It just means that it was prioritized. And as weird as it sounds, as ineffective as so many governments are, it's so many things. And I say this as a guy who just got done complaining about his taxes off air before we recorded. Uh, as, as inept as governments can seem and as slow as they can seem on a normal day, when they focus and prioritize something, they can move mountains quite quickly. As a matter of fact, one of the big problems that most Americans have with the American government is that most of us just think the government's moving the wrong mountains. <laughs> Honestly, we just can't agree on which ones should be moved. Like the emergency use authorization provided much more safety data. It's more than any other, any other vaccine data they've had Like at this point. Like, look, a lot of times conspiracies on the part of government are either by small factions of a government hoping other factions don't catch them, or it's incompetence, frankly. Mm. It's incompetence is trying to cover up that incompetence. That's what leads to them getting caught. Um, I know that there are a lot of reasons people would be concerned about this. Like, here's something I didn't ever hear about in 2017. Now everybody on Earth has to take it? That's spooky. It's understandably spooky. But if you're talking to someone who is... Um, very much against the vaccine and they're, you know, maybe they don't have access to objective information about it because of a Facebook algorithm or something. The best way to get to talk with them is to actually listen to what they have to say and don't come at them in a combative way. Those are good questions. Think about it. I never heard mm -hmm. about this in 2017. Now the whole world has to take it. Someone, you got some splaining to do. What's going on? To quote, what's his face from I Love Lucy? Yep. <laughs> and uh, last thing, um, the researcher that I mentioned, um, Malone, yeah, Robert Malone, um, who kind of, you know, did all these landmark studies or experiments in 1987, he spoke to the journal Nature and said that he feels like he's been written out of history. Um, because, I mean, a lot of advancements and modifications to his research have been done, you know, in the years since he, he did these, these initial experiments. Uh, but at this point, uh, Nature reports that global sales of these COVID-19 vaccines are expected to top $50 billion in 2021 alone. So who gets credit for this kind of stuff? And um, we also, you know, in the early rollout, remember, there was a lot of talk about the proprietary nature of these vaccines and opening it up so that other undeveloped, underdeveloped, less developed nations could make it 
without having to ship it to them, you know, through Pfizer or BioNTech or whatever. So that's a thing too. So when it comes to medicine, it's like, there's a lot of money to be made, but something like this is like viewed as a necessity. Um, and especially if it's like mandated, then that money is just, you know, that check is, is cashed for all eternity. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of interesting angles to look at. I'm in the same place really with Ben here. I still think about how strange it is. I still think about how nervous I am about the whole situation and how it all went down. Uh, but then I have to balance that out with the hope that I'm going to be okay. And the hope that my son's going to be okay. And you know, in the end, that's what matters to me. <laughs> full, full disclosure. We're all vaxxed and mm -hmm. boosted and, and mm -hmm. our kids are vaxxed and boosted. And I think we all probably did it the moment we were able to do it. Mm -hmm. So you're right. It is a balance. Um, and I guess I don't understand the uh, like siding with the big picture scary stuff, considering how much science has gone into it and how long it's been around and how much it's clearly helped slow down, you know, what was a really, really, really horrible thing globally. So I still don't fully, especially, and then you get into the politicization of, it, and that's a whole nother angle. And that's literally just rhetoric aimed at uh, trying to, take pot shots at, at politicians to, you know, assign blame, et cetera, and to create a scenario where you can be upset about something. So that part I just fully don't understand. But I do understand the trepidation, but I also think the balancing act tends to favor the just do it and, and see what happens. But I know everyone doesn't feel the same way about things. So I totally get where you're coming from, S, in, in uh, thinking about the long term potential for not knowing because we just don't know. Uh, and last thing I was going to read this because I thought it was interesting. Uh, as for the alien pregnancy, why do we assume that the aliens are actually aliens and might not possibly breed with humans? What if they are humans, but through continued space travel or life on other planets have evolved to a point where they don't quite look like us anymore, but the DNA is still mostly human or, you know, time travel. They're aliens from the future and they don't look like us anymore, but the DNA is still there. Anyway, thanks as always for a great show. I just wanted to put that out in the world because I think that's an interesting uh, scenario and uh, sounds like uh, the plot for a, a science fiction novel or film that hasn't uh, yet been written. So wait, the aliens look like us? Oh no, wait, the aliens don't look like us, but they've got our DNA. I'm a little confused. I, I know, I know, we humans, have to move on, yeah. but it's, but okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's a common idea. It's like so interesting that I'm, I'm hesitant to, uh, to say too much about it. But uh, you know, uh, meet me at the local, folks. Uh, let's, <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's definitely a, that's a local, a local conversation. conversation. <laughs> I completely agree. No, Matt, just to say that they don't look like us, but that they evolved uh, from humans over time. And if, like, you know, multiverse type theory or time travel is involved, then who knows how much time has passed that allowed them to evolve, but they maybe started off as some sort of human alien hybrid, which is, I believe, what this is referring to that uh, human alien hybrid possibility story that we talked about on a recent episode. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Indeed. <laughs> so let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with more listener mail. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand Attempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag-A-Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. 
Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. All right, we are back. And we are going to jump to a story that was told to us over the phone lines by a person named Slayer. And this person told us about an event that occurred here in Georgia that I was unaware of. In fact, an entire story that I was unaware of that kind of happened, I don't know, pretty close to us guys so why don't i just go into it it's uh about a place called corpsewood manor so for this story we are going to travel up to a place called triton georgia this is in northwest georgia it's about 90 miles from atlanta if you're driving there on uh, on the roads it's about an hour drive south from chattanooga tennessee just to give you an idea of of just how northwest it is up there in the corner of georgia and it involves uh, several people. The primary person, the first person, is Dr. Charles Scudder. This person was a professor at Loyola University there in Chicago, Illinois. This professor, Dr. Scudder, studied pharmacology. That's going to come into play here in just a little bit. That's, uh, you know, substances, drugs, medications, often. Uh, things that you put into your body to have effects on the human body. This guy, Chuck Charles Scudder, he had a partner named Joe Odom, and Charles, well, let's just call him Dr. Scudder. Dr. Scudder had an idea that he wanted to move away from the city. He wanted to get away from the hustle and bustle of city life, and he wanted to live out in the woods, in, you know, specifically the north of Georgia woods. And uh, he and Joe, again, his partner, they decided they were going to build a house in the woods, not buy a house, right? They decided they wanted to construct an entire house and not just a house. Y'all they built a stinking castle in the woods and, uh, you know, yeah, pretty awesome. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, Matt, I'm holding off. Cause I, I think this is ringing a, a bell in my memory palace somewhere. So I'm going oh, yeah? to hold off, but for right now, yeah, pretty awesome to build your own place, depending on what you do in it. But hey, come on. I don't care what you do in your house. It's your domicile. That's your place. It's private property. You do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. (laughs) And especially in this case, if you're building a castle from scratch, uh, that's pretty exciting. So that's what that's what Dr. Scudder and Joe did out there in the woods. Pretty dope. They did call it Corpse Wood Manor, which kind of might make you raise an eyebrow or two, three if you got (laughs) him. What? So, like again, objectively cool. Here's the thing about Doctor Scudder. Doctor Scudder was. And it just depends on how you feel about this. We've talked about it on the show many times. He was a member of the Church of Satan. Now, some of you hear that and you go, "Oh no!" Some of you hear that and go, "Oh yeah, I remember hearing about that." that fun place church of satan mm-hmm. and then uh, some of you hear that and go hail satan 
<laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you might associate them with uh, some pretty progressive uh, legislation mm-hmm. petitions that they've been putting through recently, uh, especially as the religious right attempts to exert more control in rural environments. Matt, I got to say, I finally... Uh, we can't say it on air yet, but I, I remember mm-hmm. where I found out about this story. Okay, I'm going to play the role of audience member. I was just pulling up some yeah, photographs. Yeah. So, yes, I remember this one. Okay, great. Good, good, good. Well, I, I was unaware of this until Slayer called us and told us about it. But um, I'm not going to tell you all the whole story today because this feels like an entire episode, and I want to go mm-hmm. down those rabbit holes and really give it some time. But uh, mm-hmm. here's some things that occurred. As, a, as an addition, let's say, to this place, Corpsewood Manor, their castle in the woods, they built something called the Chicken House. I believe that's what they called it. Uh, this, that's at least according to an article from All That Is Interesting that you can find and read right now if you want spoilers. But, you know, maybe don't have spoilers. We're going to have an episode about this pretty soon. You can find it on allthatisinteresting.com. It was written by Gina DeMuro in 2018. You can find it if you want to see it there. I'm going to give a quick quote from it. This chicken house that they added on to their castle uh, had a couple of stories, three stories to be exact. One was, according to all that is interesting, uh, was for poultry and food storage. The second story was for canned goods and the couple's pornography collection. And the third was for their, quote, pink room, also known as their pleasure chamber. Hmm. Okay, so... uh, just by hearing that, you might think, wow, these these guys, they're really into each other. They had a whole they, they built a whole thing in their house just for pleasure. That's great. That's probably a healthy, happy thing. That's got that's awesome. Um, you were bearing the lead. We got a whole floor <laughs> dedicated to porn. I mean, we heard of hard drives <laughs> like there was this other is stuff. The 80s. I believe this is the 1980s. <laughs> is it all VHS? Like, what are we talking it's, here? That's a lot of real porn. estate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also yeah. makes me wonder if uh, the character in Carnival, Scudder, is named after this guy. You know what? Rabbit holes. Rabbit holes are for an right? episode, so we'll save it. I, I didn't even give you guys the time frame. This is late 70s, early okay. 1980s. Okay. Uh, right, so there would, sense. you know, if you were into porn at the time, it would have to be physical and live somewhere. In the chicken house. It, what? <laughs> it's analog porn. It's analog. And what better place to store than the chicken house? Uh, <laughs> between the, the poultry and the pink room. Uh, so anyway, that's just a detail. I don't, I don't know all of the details about the pink room. But what I do know is that the couple enjoyed company. They enjoyed having people over to share pleasures within the pink room. And this was a pretty common occurrence. Uh, and the other thing is that when Dr. Scudder took off from his job there at Loyola, you know, he was a, his position was in pharmacology. He absconded with a couple things. Um, some of those things were skulls that he brought to Corpsewood Manor, and he adorned the place with them. Another thing that he took was 12,000 hits of acid. 12,000. He took them all at once? Holy crap. That well, he did not take this. Sorry, oh, I apologize. Okay, sorry, he did sorry, not, no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> he did not administer that many doses. He, uh, he brought them with, with. him. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. Um, uh, so you can imagine just what was going on in that pink room. Like, all kinds of stuff. Probably just far out there things that I can't even fathom. But uh, I'm telling this kind of like a, a fun, silly story because it's really interesting characters, right? It's interesting places, interesting things that are happening. Unfortunately, uh, it does have a sad ending. There were a few people. I'm not gonna end. I'm not gonna spoil the whole thing or end it all the way here. But there were a few people who did go uh, to some of those parties who made the decision to go back to the house, the Corpsewood Manor, and attempt to rob the couple, Doctor Scudder and Joe. And unfortunately, both men were killed. There were also two large Mastiff dogs that were on the property that were also killed by these people who went back to try and rob them, thinking that, you know, there's a castle in the woods. There's got to be all kinds of riches here. And unfortunately, there was not. And uh, the people were apprehended. But again, I'm not going to give you all the details here because I think getting into those details is really what the story is going to be about when we tell it in full. So I don't know any any other thoughts, guys. Other than that, I, I mean, I might just leave it there, and then we can no, uh, explore. I think further. it's a great primer for people to start digging in and uh, 
and then tune back in for the full episode. This is uh, fascinating, and I'm still hung up on the whole floor for porn. Was it like film canisters? Uh, it was VHS. I mean, that's still a ton. Little you know, magazines, <laughs> probably some good ah, old that's fair. reel-to-reel kind of curated, mm-hmm. hard-to-find mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Look, I have probably like, really maybe, organized. I, I have like maybe three feelings a year, and I'm excited to get to this story because I can't it's rare for me to it happens where I've forgotten about this until um, until I saw or heard this voicemail from Slayer. And I remember it was one of those late night reading sessions where I'm just trying to find creepy stuff. And uh, I had totally forgotten about this. Uh, I wonder if we can drive up there. You know what? I've already said too much. Nope. You're right, Matt. I know. I don't want to say too much. Uh, I would say this. If you're trying to drive up there and look for it, you cannot get on the property legally anymore. For a time, it was a legend and a whole thing where you could go and travel there. Currently, don't try and do it unless you're willing to break the law. Um, we do not condone hopping fences or using bolt cutters of any kind. <laughs> we do not no, officially we do not. say it's <laughs> no, usually easier than you think. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So if you want to get the full story right now, I just don't want to take anything away from this author. There is a book titled The Corpsewood Manor Murders in North Georgia. It's written by Amy Petula, P-E-T-U-L-L-A. You can look it up and buy it right now if you want to, uh, if you want to get the story from her. Otherwise, look forward to the full episode that we're going to be doing on this very soon. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we have returned with one more piece of listener correspondence. Uh, This comes to us from someone who wishes to remain anonymous. Here's what they said in part. 
They say, I am in a master's degree program in which I'm required to take an ethics class, which, as you might guess, is a treasure trove for potential conspiracies. I just learned through a project about Truvita, which, according to my classmates, is a for-profit organization founded by 14 healthcare networks that has a partnership with Google and Microsoft that collects shares purchases de-identified patient healthcare information. This specific organization covers 16% of the U.S. population. Another organization is HCA Healthcare. That is a company with similar functions as the first, consisting of shared data between 182 hospitals and 2,300-plus sites of care in 20 states. Sites of care would be like walk-in clinics, stock-in-a-box, that kind of stuff. Uh, So, Our faithful correspondent, fellow conspiracy realist here, says this is a topic that has been torn because I see both sides. I work in a pharmaceutical company, and though I remain skeptical, I've always been pleasantly surprised at the ethics and best practices I've seen in the field. Side note, I am part of vaccine manufacture, which is the least lucrative of all pharmaceuticals because it's preventative medicine. But I digress back to the healthcare Mm. thing. Uh, And then this is interesting. I'm just going to laundry list through this real quick, and then we should talk about it because I think there's an episode here. As someone who has spent time in both research and data analysis, I understand the value of having this de-identified data and what it could provide to researchers and scientists and academia, etc. However, do I think Google and Microsoft have the same intentions as academic researchers or public health experts? Probably not. And of course, we agree with you, Anonymous. And so Anonymous goes on to cite the importance of having this data, if it is truly anonymized, as a, a public health resource, uh, saying that you can you can correlate disasters with rates of cancer, et cetera, different other sorts of medical conditions. You can only do that if you have data for comparison. But then Anonymous says, on the flip side, I know I don't need to explain the cons of your personal data getting exploited to you all, but I will share the points my fellow classmates pointed out. The hospitals are making money off this. Are the patients consenting anywhere to this and just don't know it? Do they need to consent? Who really owns the data anyway? Who's deciding who owns it? Are there conflicts of interest here with sharing the data with non-healthcare-related entities? Cough, cough, Google, cough, cough. What if this data is re-identified? Cybersecurity is not without its flaws. Who will have access to this data that's being shared and agglomerated? What's the potential use of patient data against individuals when it's provided with insurance or care if it's leaked and re-identified? I haven't had time to deep dive into this, says Anonymous, but I'll attach some relevant links uh, and then does so. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. However, my opinion, whether anyone agrees with what's happening here or not, this smells like a conspiracy between Google, Microsoft, and big healthcare. So what to do? Surrender? Fight back? Go off the grid? Never get medical attention again? So Anonymous, this is one of those emails we want to hold up to the class because you included these awesome links, it's clear that you have you have thought through the advantages and the possible terrible consequences of this practice. Uh, I, I want to point out that there is one of the links that you shared is an excellent article on The Verge by Nicole Wetzman called Hospitals Are Selling Treasure Troves of Medical Data, What Could Go Wrong? Very Alfred E. Mm. Newman title there, What Me Worry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's a shame a, uh, if something happened to that uh, personal medical data. Mm-hmm, right. So there's the, the reason I point out the Verge article in specific here is because there is a great interview with the chief science and digital officer at the Duke Clinical Research Institute, which does tons and tons of invaluable medical work. Uh, this guy is named Eric Paraskalis, and Eric Paraskalis is incredibly concerned about what's going to happen to electronic medical records. We also know that a lot of very, very wealthy institutions and individuals are pushing for larger organization and agglomeration of this information, which again, could be amazing, could be a game changer, could save lives, but could also, um, could also be easily misused for very bad things. Uh, This guy's been worried about this since 2017 or 2018, 
And he says, the problem is the technology itself is fine. This de-identified data, this stuff where, you know, your social security number, your name, your favorite album from the early 2000s, whatever, all that stuff is scraped off the record. And it's just like, this person lives here. They got this, whatever. Yeah, like the metadata that the NSA uses when they... uh you know, monitor phone calls or whatever. Right. Like well, it's that. even it's even less, right? It's even less attached to a place. It's like an area, right? So it doesn't right. have your actual location or anything. Right. It, it would be like that data if the NSA was telling the truth about it, which they clearly were not for quite a while. <laughs> there. <laughs> but, well, but yeah, it's a good comparison. How would it get re-identified? Like, what would, how, how could they even do that? Well, so... So here's the thing. You only you don't need a ton of other information or other sources to re-identify stuff. So much so that Paraxlis calls it calls de-identification a privacy placebo. He says it works about as well as the thermostat in a hotel room. Uh, you can use this data to do a number of things, including identity theft. Because your medical record contains financial information. So there's a risk with that, with hacking. Uh, A lot of people use medical data to make fraudulent medical claims. Uh, And you can also have a condition that maybe you don't want your family to know about or your employer to know about or your, uh, or maybe, you know, if we get into the realm of pre-crime, pre-sickness, it's fairly certain that uh, unless legislation is much quicker than it's ever been, private insurance companies will be incentivized to use this stuff against you. Your genetic code could, in short, become a pre-existing condition, which is very dangerous and quite unfair. Uh, So the other thing is that this guy is saying the usefulness of public health records or the data from health records is overblown. He says mainly what electronic health records have been shown to do well is to be pretty good billing systems. And he says, well, there's a lot of research done on them. It doesn't mean the research is easy. It just means more people have thought about it. And a lot of folks are underestimating the complexity of the problem. And his big concern right now is that the data itself is not secure, that things can be leaked. But it sounds like what Anonymous is saying here is that one of the other big concerns is the very real possibility that this could be weaponized for profit against people. And right now, I'm setting this up to for us to do a, a bigger, deeper episode on this, because this affects you. It doesn't matter what you believe in, what kind of politics or spirituality you practice. It doesn't matter how much money you make or how you make that money. Your health will, at some point, become the most important thing in your life. It's either going to happen, it's either already happened or it's going to happen as you get older, right? It's a very powerful tool. So, of course, powerful entities want to control it and want to get their cut. And will they be able to get their cut while also helping the world? Yeah, hopefully, but that's nowhere near the confirmed aim yet. And if you already don't like big tech, based on you know our strange news earlier this week, based on our big data episode, based on the numerous times that we've been pretty correct about terrible things, then of course you're going to be skeptical about these folks. The CEO of one of those first companies I mentioned uh, that has access to 16% of all medical care for over 320 people, uh, their CEO used to work with Microsoft which makes people understandably wonder if we're in a fingers on a hand situation. By which, again, I mean, if for anybody's not seen this on YouTube, I mean, the thing about fingers is, depending from your perspective, they look like two different things until you see the whole hand, which controls all of them. And this happens more often than we might like to think. And as we've all learned, uh, everyone here talking now, uh, the two fingers have mysteries to tell us. And... Uh, <laughs> We don't fully understand the hand that they're connected to yet. Yeah, exactly. Because this is brave new world stuff. This is new territory. We've looked into this in the past in big data. One of our big questions was particularly about data gathered by social media companies. 
and uh, what, you know, what their algorithms could scrape about you, right? And the question is, well, how much is my data worth? Why am I not getting paid for this? You know what I mean? And we know that the problem with terms and conditions and granting permissions in anything from you know accepting the terms of a multiplayer video game to signing off maybe on a car lease uh, to signing any number of these agreements, they're purposefully made to be obtuse. It is good in some industries for the consumer not to understand what they are agreeing to. Thus, I would say there's a very good argument that you are not making informed consent, even when you are consenting. And this problem is only exacerbated when we're talking about patients, some of whom may be in, in conditions where they're not mentally fit to read through this whole thing. You know what I mean? And at that point, where does your information go? What say do you or do you not have in what happens to it? This is a, this is a frightening thing. There's a lot of money in it. Again, there's a lot of potential to be, be a force of tremendous good in the world. But whether that will be the case remains to be seen. And to be clear, folks, we're not going to do a hit piece on this uh, unless it objectively has to be a hit piece. But what we do, <laughs> but what we do want, what I definitely want is to hear from anybody in the audience today who feels that their medical data has been taken without their consent or if whether it's been weaponized against you and if so in what way we'd love for you to be part of this conversation we want to hear your stories we also want to hear about other creepy things like your local corpsewood manor we also want to hear about you know your alien pregnancy uh, or or hmm. if you'd rather talk about no. the first part of that letter no matt doesn't want to hear about it send it to me email. I don't- please do please contact us about all that stuff but really quickly before we jump away guys i just had this image of the time when it becomes normalized and regular to just have your medical history as part of the thing that's like the information that's attached to you the information file that walks around with you when other people just look at you with their heads up display where Mm -hmm. it's just a normal thing And if you, you know, it would say Matt recently contracted pink eye from some kid, you know, at the, at his son's school or whatever. Sure. It wasn't from the the pink room. It may have been from the pink room or maybe the second story. I uh, think it's pink room eye is what that's called. (laughs) (laughs) But, but like I, but I'm imagining a version where for everyone's safety, it is, you know, we all have our medical history on our file so that if we're going to interact with anyone else, they can have that information. And then by even conversing with you or interacting with you, uh, it's like giving informed consent I see. Uh, about what this other person is and has. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just trying to. No, it's I'm, true. I saw a picture of that. Right. You're absolutely right, because that's what we're going to see. The move toward privatization of all things that the state does is real. It is happening. The future is corporate. At least that's the the trend it's going toward. And in many cases already, large corporations are much more powerful than some individual states. But but this is another part of, I would say, also the erosion of privacy. And privacy as we understand it, or as we sort of deify it today, is a surprisingly modern condition. Like if you are a student of, um, if you're a student of just early U.S. history, You'll know that the the pilgrims and the Puritans, they they didn't really have privacy the way you might understand it today. Your own room? What the hell? Who are you, the king? That's like the the idea of privacy, again, is, is much more fragile, more fragile, much younger than we think of it. And it may be, it may end up being, it may end up being something that goes away, if not in your lifetime as you're reading this, possibly in your children's lifetime. These privacy as we understand it. There's so many places to go with this. We need your help. Uh, if you want to do the uh, news clues with us or snooze clues or whatever animal we end up landing on or cat clues, that's alliteration, I guess. Blues news, dude. Blues news. Blues news. Blues news about the clues. Schmooze blues clues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ones and twos. Uh, you know, we're, we're paying our dues. Before we end up freestyling, we're going to call it a day. So uh, let us know. Get in contact. 
Tell us your stories. We cannot wait to hear from you. We try to be easy to find online with almost everything, except for now our medical records. Why not head on over to YouTube? You can find us. We're Conspiracy Stuff. Check out all of our videos. We, we started putting them out in, what, 2013 on that channel? And mo- a lot of them go back to 2010. Watch them all. Just binge them. Check them out. They hold up. We promise. If you like Twitter, you want to you know chat that way, check out Conspiracy Stuff on that one. On Facebook, we're Conspiracy Stuff. Also on Facebook, check out Here's Where It Gets Crazy. That's our group. You can join it. It's private. All you have to do is know who hosts this show, just our names, and uh, you can get in. Also on Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show, where you can check out the dankest of conspiracy memes that we'll be putting out and uh, get alerted whenever new episodes are dropping. If you don't want to use social media, why not try another route? That's right. You can give us a telephone call. Why not do that thing? Pick up a phone. Call one eight three three S T D W Y T K. You got three minutes after the sound of Ben's uh, dulcet tones. Um, leave us a message. Tell us what to call you, and if it's okay to use your uh, vocal uh, likeness or reproduction on uh, one of these here listener mail episodes. And hey, if you don't want to do that. You can always find us the old-fashioned way with a good old email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.